Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. Before I preach the message, uh, this is the uh, first Sunday of not just the year, but the month. And we always dedicate the first Sunday to uh, First Fruits, where we're able to bring our offering to the Lord together. And so if you need an offering envelope, if you just raise up your hand, somebody from our team will come up and bring you an offering envelope. Uh, and we want to invite you to participate in giving. If you give me that giving slide, that'd be awesome. Um, there's multiple ways that you can give, three ways to give. You can give via check, and in the memo line, you can just write, whether it's a tithe, if it's going to the building, uh, whatever that may be specifically, you can notate on there. Also, uh, not the declarations, but the, the actual giving. There you go, yeah. Um, and you can also go online, give uh, legacynb.com forward slash give now. Or you can do that QR code, or you can text to give. And, and, and here's what the Lord told me to do this morning. Um, I just saw it very clearly. Uh, real quick, I, I was given as a gift an anointing oil uh, from one of my brothers who's in uh, Jerusalem. And uh, without going, it's a longer story to it, but just suffice it to say, the oil in this jar has a tradition that goes back to the first batch of oil that was made from uh, Moses and the anointing oil that Moses was told. And what would happen is in every generation or every new batch of oil, they would take the, the original batch and they would mix it into the new one. So whatever that, that percentage was, to so say it's 10%, they get down to last, if they start to make a, a new batch of oil, they take the last 10% of the original oil and they pour it into it. So each subsequent you know, batch of oil always had the original oil of Moses. And then after the resurrection, the priests began to get saved. And uh, so the early church had access to this anointing oil. And uh, what they ended up doing was is taking the burial shroud of Jesus, which would have been soaked in oil from his burial, and they wrung it into the batch of oil. And so now, for 2,000 years, the Greek Orthodox Church has actually kept the tradition alive. And so one of my friend's uh, brothers had, had given a, this anointing oil. And, um, and I just felt like the Lord, I saw the Lord this morning take a dollar bill and anoint it. And, um, and, and what he was telling me is this, is you must see yourself as an anointed one. All right? And an old covenant... If an unclean thing touched a believer, they became unclean. In the new covenant, when an unclean thing is touched by a believer, it actually cleanses the unclean thing. We have to understand the way we treat money sometimes is mammon and realize he actually puts resources in your hands so that it might cleanse it so it could be used for kingdom purposes. Which means this, we must become good stewards of what he puts in our hands. We must look at every single dollar, every single dime, every single penny that's put in our hands is actually a resource that God's put in our hands to actually cleanse it and put it to work for kingdom use. We cannot be afraid of money. We can't be afraid of the system of the world because we don't belong to the system of the world. We don't belong to the government of this world. We don't belong to the economy of this world. We belong to the kingdom of God, which actually supersedes all things. Whatever kingdom you bow to actually has higher authority than anything else. And so what it does is it takes the mammon of this world and it actually anoints it to become useful for the kingdom purposes. And so I felt like if we're going to move this year into financial breakthrough, not because we're building a building or any of those things, I really feel like the camels are coming home. There's a prophecy you talk about where it's like the camels would come back and they were loaded down with the resources that were needed for a future season. 
And, and, and there's these, these, a lot of times in our prophetic words, we'll talk about the camels are coming, the camels are coming. And I heard the Lord say, unless the people who receive the camels or receive the resources actually view themselves as anointed, it won't matter how much is loaded down on the camels. It won't matter if you got a raise. It won't matter if you got a check from the IRS. It won't matter if you don't see yourself as an anointed one from heaven. It actually will actually taint you rather than you cleanse it. It's a mindset we have to shift into. If you're born again, say I am. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to unbelievers. I'm talking to you if you're a born again believer. And so I felt like today as we take that offering, we're not going to make declarations. We're just going to actually um, watch the anointing come on this thing. And once you stand up with me. I'm going to smear George Washington so he can become Ben Franklin. <laughs> well, that's funny right there. I don't care who you are. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to receive the anointing from heaven right now. So close your eyes. If you're born again, say, I am. Make this declaration, I am anointed. I've been anointed by Jesus. That means... That everything that touches me becomes clean, becomes anointed for kingdom purposes. That means my money. That means my family. That means the place I go to shop, the place I go to work, becomes anointed for kingdom purposes. Yeah, so Jesus, right now, we just surrender this to you and we make a declaration that we will recognize, we'll come into alignment with the thought process that says, we are anointed by you. Yeah, that's, that's no small thing. We just got done singing, Lord, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy, which means you're anointed. And you make that declaration over us. You anoint us. So we surrender our finances, we surrender our belief systems about money and economics, and we shift kingdoms right now. We shift out of the kingdom of the world into the kingdom of God, which says money's a tool and it's a weapon to extend your kingdom. So Lord, whether it's seed that you give us to sow, or bread that you give us to eat, it will multiply and it will be anointed. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Why don't you all give them a celebration? Now, before you leave, we have offering boxes. I'm not going to have you come up right now, but before you can drop off your offering in the offering box and make sure uh, you don't forget about that. Would you all just welcome up Christy Whitman, who is our amazing prayer director? morning. So um, we are starting a new prayer time, which is really exciting. That starts this week, uh, Wednesday from 6 to 7. And then we have our normal prayer time that is Sunday morning, 7.30 to 8.30. And I was talking to the Lord about this. And he said, you know, tell my people, did you know that you can experience my presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Did you know that you don't have to walk in any part of your life without his presence? No matter what you do, 
You can walk in his presence. And he said, and I said, God, should I call the intercessors out? And he said, no, call my people out. They are all qualified. I have qualified every single one of them. And this is a time, you know, we're, we're talking about intimacy. And God's been speaking to me about that a lot. Having his presence and, and being intimate with him in every moment of our day. And he said, it's time for corporate intimacy. It's time for us stepping in together and knowing each other by the spirit of going into the throne room and calling down heaven and calling down the kingdom of God everywhere on this earth. It is time for us to step in, regardless of whether we think we're an intercessor or not, we are all qualified. And so I am inviting every single one of you to come. It's going to be in Portable One, and as we grow, we'll, we'll move in here in the sanctuary on Wednesday mornings. But this is a time, you guys, it's time to bring the kingdom of God. This is the year of intimacy. And so I'm just asking each one of you to take the time. I know it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to get up that early in the morning and get over here at 6. But the sacrifice is worth it. That prayer room, you guys, I can't even begin to tell you. Those of you who have been in there, you know the presence of God comes. We worship together and we pray together. And it is an absolute powerful time. And our whole day after that is different. I know, I know some of you that are intercessors can definitely say that that's the case, but there's something really special about that. So I invite all of you to come, and we hope to see you Wednesday morning, this Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Amen. It's important, guys. What you just experienced here, this, this is what we're bringing to the region. Um, as our team, we sat and we, we talk about every, every year strategic plans, and one of the questions we always ask is if legacy wasn't in this city, what would the city miss? Would they miss us? Would there be a tangible impact? And I'm telling you right now, the, the, the worship and the prayer that's offered up from this house, if it was removed from the city, it'd be, it would be missed. Because there's a lot that happens, but I feel like the Lord is going to begin to advance things in your families and your life as we, we step into that. So make sure you do that. All right. I've got a message for you that I feel like I can get it out in 15 minutes, right? So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Signs and wonders. Famous last words of a preacher. Right? I can get this in 15 minutes. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, put a marker there, and then 1 Kings chapter 18 and keep it open. 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, this, this message has been burning in my heart for a couple weeks now, and, and I, I really feel like it's, it's part of what the Lord is doing as we moved into this new year. And I kept hearing this, uh, this phrase over again, was it's time for the body of Christ to knock the dust off their feet. And then I heard it again, he says, it's really time for them to knock the ashes off their feet. So I said, okay, Lord, what does that actually mean? Because I knew the reference in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 10. It shows up in Mark and Luke as well. But Matthew 10, 14 says, Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. I'm like, Lord, that's not a very encouraging word. And he's like, yes, you need to understand the context for what I'm doing in this season. Is there a time in the season where you've preached the gospel, you've done good works, you've done what you can, where you, and the people aren't receiving you, where you move on? Yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about. I want you to learn how to knock off the ashes and the dust off your feet. And that must not be about other people. It must be what God's doing inside of you. 
like God's an all-consuming fire. He's a refining fire. He, he comes and he, he tests our hearts. The trials and tribulations we go through in this world, I preached back at the beginning of November talking about in Philippians 4 how it said celebrate your tribulations. It was an inward tribulation. It had nothing to do with external stuff coming your way. The greatest tribulation you will face is when you have to face the truth of God and decide, am I going to follow it or not? Am I going to believe him or not? It actually comes in this place where I have to choose whom I'm going to serve every single moment of my life. And it really requires a sacrifice of praise. That when God comes on his people, he comes with a holy fire. What's interesting is this, before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, anytime I heard about fire, all I thought about was fire and brimstone, hell. Like, oh my gosh, we don't want to talk about fire in the church because that's all about hell. Or if I'm going to talk about fire, it's make sure you get your fire insurance. And what I'm telling you is right now, you must be fired by the Lord. You, you're, you're, if you're the clay that he's trying to put you in and make you into something, to form you in something, you need the fire of the Lord to solidify what he's shaping you into. That the fire of God is not about hell. There is a real hell, and it is separation, and it's hot. Right? So I'm not denigrating hell one bit. You need to know it's there. But for those who belong to Christ Jesus, this is not about fire and brimstone. This is about the fire of the Lord coming into your life and burning up every single thing that is not him. Every single thing that's not him. You must come into this place where it's a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of life. Lord, how are you redeeming me? How are you taking this old mindset? How are you taking my past? What does it look like? What has God refined in you in 2023? And, this, and they were measuring their success by how tall the ash was compared to someone else. And there was this kind of a haughty spirit that came on, going like, hey, I've prayed more than you, I've given more than you, I've, I've served more than you, the other people. Look at the sacrifice of praise, I'm surrounded by ash. And the Lord's like, it's time to shake off the dust. It's time to move forward in life. What is the new thing that God is wanting to refine in you in 2024? Because if you become satisfied saying, look, look what I've done for you, God. Look what you've already done. Look how I surrendered to you already. He goes, yes, that's amazing. I love you. That's good. I've got more for you. This is not about performance, but this is going, yes, there was a season where in this place, there was something that was burned out of me. Now it's time to move forward. It's time to shake off the dust. It's time to be marked, stop being marked by ashes of the past and start being marked by the present fire of what God's wanting to do inside of my life. It begins in my mind. It begins in my heart. There's this level of devotion. Um, sometimes there's places in our life that are past, and, and, and we've given ourselves to a place, and it's like I've done everything I can, and I really need to shake off that dust so I can move forward. What have I given my allegiance to that's no longer producing fruit? Chris Valentin from Bethel uh, preached a really great message at the, uh, during Christmas time called Halftime. I encourage you to go listen to it. But one of the things he talked about, and it was really perfect as I was preparing for this message, was that a lot of times we talk about pruning, and the Lord will always prune you back to the place of your fruitfulness. And what had happened in the body of Christ, did you know it's possible? We've actually, we planted a couple trees a couple years ago before the, the snowpocalypse hit. And we plan them with the expectation that they were going to produce fruit at some point. And we know in terms of their timeline, they will at some point. But they've grown and there's these bigger branches, but they haven't produced fruit in it. 
And so we get to this place where we started to prune it because we go back to this place. And a lot of people in the body of Christ have measured their success by how long their branch is rather than how fruitful they've been. And the Lord comes to this place and says, I I don't care how long your branch is. I care how fruitful you are. And I'm going to prune you back to the place of your fruitfulness so that you can be more fruitful. So what's your mindset? What's your belief system about God? Have you actually set yourself up where you stop growing in the Lord because you feel like you got to this place of maturity where I know what I need to know? And what I tell you is you don't know anything about anything. There's this hunger. Papa Jack used to say it all the time. He says, any time that I got to a place where I felt like I learned everything that I needed to know, that was the time I learned I'm not going to learn anything else in life. I needed to get back to this place of allowing myself to be pruned in my thought process. I need to dust the ashes off my feet. I need to make a step forward. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter 18. And I feel like this is going to kind of set the tone for what we're talking about before we get to 1 Peter. So Ahab, verse 20, sent a message among the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. In other words, they're in this place where they are offering sacrifice. They had ashes at their feet of who they were given a sacrifice of praise to. And it's getting to this point where, where Elijah's going, hey, it's time to choose to stop compromising with the world. It's time to start, you know, half a, halfway out. You need to f- figure out who are you going to follow. Verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. Why is that? Because Jezebel had carried a, killed a bunch of prophets. What's funny about this is actually Obadiah, who was a prophet, had hid 100 prophets in the, in the caves away from Jezebel. So even Elisha in this place was kind of getting in this, it's only me, I'm the only one left type mentality. He says, two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves, cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood, and I will not put a fire under it. Then you call in the name of your God, and I will call in the name of my God, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Let me hear you say, the God who answers by fire. He's God. We have to move in this place where we we're, we're become a place where God can put his fire on top of us. We must become a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. It says, and all the people says, that's a good idea. Let me hear you say, that's a good idea. See, it's okay to put a test out there. I'm not going to read these next few scriptures, but what ends up happening is the prophets of Baal, they, they make their sacrifice, and they go from morning to evening doing everything they can, including they're cutting themselves and they're clearing, Baal, pour out your fire, Baal, pour out your fire. Nothing happens all day long. Finally, Elijah gets to the end of the day and it says, okay, y'all had a pretty good shot at this. Let's go ahead and talk about what we're going to do. Elisha begins to set up his sacrifice. And not only does he put the wood up there, does he put the ox on there, but he says, now I need you to get four pitchers or four buckets of water. And three separate times, I want you to pour it onto the wood so it soaks it up. Twelve buckets of water. Now, I don't know about you, but, but wet wood is hard to burn, much less ignite initially. He's wanting to make sure there is no other thing that, what, that it's God that's actually coming and doing this thing. What is water. It's his presence. He's soaking the presence of the Lord into the thing that has to be burned. 
What y'all just did during this time of worship was this. I'm opening up my heart, Lord. I'm emptying myself of everything else. And I'm saying, fill me with your saturating presence. See, God works in a, in a contradictory way sometimes. He can light wet wood on fire, right? He doesn't need much to do that. And so ends up, look what happens in verse 36. So at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God and God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Let me hear you say at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you've turned their hearts back again. Let me just say this. We must become a people that can call upon the name of the Lord in friendship where it almost looks like we're demanding an answer from God. Where other people who are super religious will go, oh, you can't ask that of God. No, no. If you know who he is and walk in an intimate covenant relationship with him, he's looking for a bold people to say, I know who you are, God. So, Lord, would you bring an answer according to who you are? There must be a boldness. There must be a confidence where we walk out and say, God, give an answer right now. Show this person that you are God. Bring healing to show this person that you are God. Raise this person from the dead because you, you are God. Resurrect this marriage. Resurrect this relationship because you are God. We must be like Elijah where we're willing to actually call on the name of the Lord with confidence and boldness, not with some false humility. But boldness, if you've been marked by God, if you've been marked by his holiness, then you've given up every right that you have to your own word. You must put yourself all in to the word of God. And so look what it says here. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stone and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. I read it again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed. Let me hear you say consumed. It consumed everything. The rock, the wood, everything. I would tell you there was no ash left over. It was such a hot fire that there wasn't even ash left over. This is why it's important for us to kick off the ash. Move forward. God wants to consume everything so the only thing that is left is him. In verse 39, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. If we want New Braunfels or Austin or Seguin or San Marcos or Texas or Washington, D.C. or the capitals of the world to say, he is God, he is God, is going to require an Elisha level of intimacy with him where you actually have spent so much time in the prayer closet that you're soaked with the anointing of God, that you're soaked and drenched with the love of God so much that when you make a declaration, what you touch will actually come on fire. You hear what I'm saying? You must, you must be so saturated that when I lay hands on, there's fire that comes because of the time of intimacy I set. But if I'm still covered in ash, I'm not actually going to be soaked for the next thing. Does this make sense? You have to be willing to leave your place of present breakthrough to move into the next thing. I feel like God wants to see America saved. It's not going to come through politics, although he'll use politicians. It won't come from economics, although he'll use economy. 
It won't come from the education system, although he'll use the education system. It's got to be people who walk into the education system. As Elijah says, you're worshiping Baal over here, but I'm going to be a man or a woman who actually can set the school on fire. Just because I walked into this place. And all of a sudden they go, he is Lord, he is Lord, he is Lord. Why? Because they see a people who aren't afraid to be opposed by the prophets of Baal. The Lord's taken us to a place than we've, higher than we've ever seen before. But it must become measurable. This is what burns in my heart. If we don't see measurable change in 2024, hear me on this, we fell far short than the Lord's intention. Don't hear that for performance. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, there must be, in 2024, measurable fruit of transformation. Crime going down. Hear me on this. Relationships coming back together, right? Finances coming together in a way that actually blesses the people of the city rather than curses the city or the nation. There, there's going to be a tangible fruit. We have to be a people who are ready, but it first begins in this place where we're willing to be set on fire. Look what it says in verse 40. Then Elisha said to them, See the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought, uh, brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Now Elijah and said to Ahab, you know, slew means kill them all. I, I love the fact that in an old covenant, the enemy dies. It's the movie that we all want to see. The bad guys die, right? But how many people know this is not talking about people in the new covenant? But we must kill the spirit that's come into our nation. The one that would, <laughs> I was praying for Governor DeWine of Ohio because he um, vetoed a bill that would make it illegal to do uh, gender transition surgeries and, on kids in, in a hospital, the Cincinnati Children's Hospital makes money on that. And, and I just, something came up inside of me. I'm like, no, 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 you didn't, Right? Like, we have to see tangible change. I'm not mad at the Cincinnati Hospital. I'm just talking about the spirits that, that actually go in and influence that. We've got to get into the prayer closet. We have to get in that place where we say, no, we're going to burn a fire that actually kills the prophets of Baal, that kills the prophets of death, and allows them to be able to be transitioned into a place where they become born again. Do you hear what I'm saying? Can you imagine the abortion industry being saved? Like, how is that possible? Saul killed the body of Christ and got radically saved and became one of the greatest evangelists of the New Testament. What if those that are actually in the abortion industry finally radically got saved and instead of serving the prophets of Baal, they all of a sudden decided to serve the Lord? Do you hear what I'm saying? Tangible, measurable fruit. So Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. Why is this important? Because a few chapters before, Elisha actually got fed up with uh, Ahab getting together with Jezebel and setting up the, the, the worship of false idols. And so Elisha goes, it's not going to rain in the, in the land of Israel again until I say it does. And so a drought and a famine had entered into the land. Now look what happens. After he deals with that spirit... He now says this, hey Ahab, get ready to eat because there's about to be a shower. 
It was about to start raining again in Israel. In other words, because I've dealt with the spirit that actually was in Israel, now it can rain and be fruitful again in the land. So it says this. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go back seven times. It came about at the seventh time that he said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And Elijah said, go say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you from getting back home. In a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower, and Ahab rode rode on a chariot and went to Jezreel. Look what it says in verse 46. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elisha. Listen to this. He girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. He girded up his loins. I'm going to hear you say he's girded up his loins. Thank God that's not a phrase we use on common language today in English, right? It's like, what in the heck was that? You have to understand in that time frame, the type of clothing that they wore would have been long robes that would have went all the way down to the ankles, including the men. And what they would have to do is they'd actually have to gird up what they were wearing, their clothing, tie it with a belt in order to be able to have their legs free. I mean, I haven't, has anybody ever tried to run with a robe on? You're like, you know, you look like one of the, the minions, you know, from the movie or whatever. Or penguin, you're going like this. You have to gird up your loins in order to be able to run fast, be prepared for action. And he actually beat the king ahead of the place. So he ran so fast. Now flip over to First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to tie these two together. First Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. New King James says, and multi other translators say, gird up the loins of your mind. Let me hear you say, gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare your minds for action. It's time to actually think quickly. That, that word of the mind for action literally means your critical thinking process coming up to a fast pace where you can think across the issue. You're going to be able to look at issues that are coming up and you're going to be able to critically examine it, critically think and have a solution like this because you've prepared your mind to think with the mind of Christ. you can prepared your mind to think. But here's the thing. If you don't get filled with the Spirit of God, critical thinking will actually ground you really quickly because it'll put you back into what you're capable of doing. So this must be the surrender to the Lord. Remember what happened with Elijah. It says, the hand of the Lord came on Elijah. Then he girded up his loins and he was able to run and outpace it. When we surrender in this place where we've knocked off the dust, the ashes of the past, we're willing to move forward into what the Lord has. It actually is an open invitation for God to put his hand on you and specifically put his hand on your mind so your mind can be prepared for action. You don't have to check your intellect at the door when you come in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, we must be the most brilliant people on the planet. We should be because we have the mind of Christ. So that means innovations, that means solutions, that means all kinds of creative ideas are going to come, but you have to prepare yourself for action. So look what it says. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in the spirit. Let me hear you say sober in the spirit. That doesn't mean don't get drunk in the spirit. What that says is be so inundated with the Holy Spirit that the fruit of the spirit flows freely through your life. What is one of the fruit of the spirit? Self-control. 
There's going to come into this place as you gird your mind up to think like Jesus, where I'm so saturated. Remember, the wood itself was saturated with the water of God so that when the fire of God fell, it ignited. And we must be in this place where we're so saturated with the Holy Spirit that when the fire of God comes down, our minds are imagined. It's ignited up into this is what God wants to do so we can become a solution. Be sober in the spirit means this. No longer evaluate things according to a human point of view anymore. Christy said it. We must learn to the flesh and your actions according to human flesh. No, I see you through the eyes of Jesus. And I evaluate you. I evaluate our government. I evaluate my finances. I evaluate my family according to what's possible through the Holy Spirit. Right? What's possible in the Holy Spirit. Because look what it says here. Keep sober in the spirit and fix your hope. Let me hear you say, fix your hope. Completely on the grace. Let me hear you say, completely on the grace. The Greek actually carries an additional meaning for for grace here. I always tell you it's the powering agent of God, but it literally means this. The present grace that God is bringing to you, not just some future grace, because look what it says. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that say, yeah, when Jesus comes back his second coming, then that grace is going to fall and then everything will be good. And what the Greek is actually saying is, no, the revelation Jesus to you right now. What revelation do you have about God right now? How does he want to unfold this revelation? There's a grace that's coming to you. The Lord's leaning into you saying, know my mind, know my mind, be ignited with my mind, be ignited with my passion. You can actually bring transformation. It's time to make a transition into the body of Christ in a way that we understand what holy actually means. Holy means solely surrendered to him. It's not about behavior modifications. It means I'm so saturated with the goodness of God that at any moment, I'm in a fire waiting to happen on the planet around me. And by the way, Revelation, how many people have been taught that the apocalypse is a bad thing? Right? How many movies do we have that are post-apocalyptic? Right? Do you know the word apocalyptic means revelation? See, see what ended up happening in, in the mid-1800s is there was a, uh, there was a man who was riding on his horse. He fell off his horse, knocked his head, and he went from being a very hopeful, optimistic person into a very pessimistic person because he actually got a brain damage. If you've ever seen anybody who's had a, a, a traumatic brain injury, it can change the personality, right? It's a TBI. And what he ended up doing is he started to have revelation, look at the revelation, book of revelation, through a lens of Oh, no, it's going to be really bad. It's going to be really bad. The, the devil's coming. Look out for the dragon, all this crazy stuff. This, and, and all of a sudden created a study Bible that went throughout the colonies. And all of a sudden this idea of the end times came to, oh, no, tribulation, oh, no, tribulation, oh, no, tribulation. And the book of Revelation is the apocalyptic book of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? The revelation of Jesus Christ. And we've transitioned apocalypse to mean something evil instead of realizing, no, we need the apocalypse of Jesus. We need the revelation of Jesus Christ, who he is as a conquering king, who he is as the righteous king, who he is as the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth and now is the righteous king that stands at the right hand of the Father forevermore. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? We need the revelation of Jesus. And this is what it's talking about. You must come to this place where your mind is literally girded up with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ready for action. How's Jesus thinking this moment? I know what he wants to do. I'll just tell you that. Worship this morning, I was ready. I didn't know what he was going to do, but I knew he was going to call an audible on our plans. You have to know it because you're in this place of his presence on an ongoing basis. And what I would tell you is this. If you don't learn how to dust off the feet of disappointment, frustration, a lack of breakthrough, whatever it is that has you standing in a place where you're like, Lord, I don't feel like I can move forward. He's like, knock the dust off your feet. Worship me. Then, from that place of worship, move forward. Leave the past behind you. Don't look at it anymore. Move forward in what I'm doing. Gird up your mind to think that I'm actually progressively bringing my kingdom that will bring transformation where this year in 2024, your family will not look like it did in 2023. Where your finances won't look like they did in 2023. Where our city and our nation does not look like it did in 2023. Confident expectation of the goodness of God being revealed because Jesus himself is being revealed in the way you think, in the way you act. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. And then interesting, he calls you to be holy first in your thinking, and the outflow is going to be your behavior. Because it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Why don't you stand up with me? So 20 minutes, not quite 15. That's pretty good. Why don't you just prepare your hearts right now? Real simple. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? Lord, what is it that I need to knock off my feet? What is it that I need to knock off my thinking? So that your cleansing water can come and flood me, saturate me. The sign of ash is a sign of dryness. Would you saturate me now with your love and your presence? He showed you something right now. Just go ahead and knock off the dust off your feet. Make this declaration with me. Lord, I'm ready for action. My mind My thoughts, they belong to you. Would you put your hand on me so I can gird up my thoughts 
to run with you. Faster than the world, faster than the enemy, so that might bring your solution everywhere I go. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my inheritance. And thank you that you made me holy as you are holy. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So I might give him a shout of praise. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.